Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on KateSidePress.com. I'm Dana Gooby-Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC back on the road this weekend. UFC 293 comes to you from Sydney, Australia. We'll be breaking down Sean Strickland versus Israel Adesanya, as well as two other fights on this main card. This is part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat this weekend. Plus, as always, we're giving you guys the interviews you know and love. Kicking off the show this week is our interview with Fernando Padilla, who fights next weekend at Noche UFC. And then, a little bit later on in the show, we'll be talking to Malik Lewis, who is going to be fighting on Contender Series next Tuesday. Before we get to any of that great content for you, I do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Game Up Hard Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Hard Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's, well, really drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink it? Well, certainly couldn't hurt. Game Up is not a hard seltzer because hard seltzers just didn't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own, comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, 1 gram of carbs, it's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA maulers, urban fitness freaks, peak-bagging badasses, tough mother mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high handicap hackers, committed cornhole huckers, or even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. As for Game Up, wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. Game Up brings you to this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Fernando Padilla, who fights Kyle Nelson at Noche UFC. That fight is on September 16th. So, Fernando, I wanted to start here. You know, you had a year layoff after you got your UFC contract. You go in there, not only do you win, but you knock out a 12-fight UFC veteran in Julian Arosa. Uh, describe the feeling. What did it feel like going in there, getting it done so quick after all that time away? No, unreal, <laughs> unreal. Honestly, I mean, I felt uh, I knew that it was gonna end up like that, but I didn't felt that it was gonna be so early in the fight, like first round. Um, other than that, uh, I was prepared. I was ready for that type of fight. Whatever happened, happens, and, and I'm I'm really happy the the performance that I gave was that. Uh, obviously, it it made me more hungry because it was just like one minute forty, so. Uh, I'm excited to get back, you know. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that. So it's a really short fight. You get like a right around a four-month turnaround. Was this about what you wanted? Did you want to fight a little quicker than this? No, this is this is awesome. This is perfect. Uh, as soon as they told me that there was going to be a, a card on September 16, I was kind of like understanding that I was going to be the one that I was going to be in. Uh, if not, I was pushing also for November with uh, the John Jones card. But uh, even if I get out of this fight and I'm good, I, I'm clean, I will hopefully I can book something in December. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would certainly be awesome. Now, of course, like you said, you, you love the idea of fighting on September 16th. Not only is it Mexican Independence Day, 
But the UFC has decided to shape this card around celebrating Mexican fighters with, you know, they're even calling it Noche UFC, you know, very, very cool concept. What does it mean for you to be on that, you know, like sort of the first Mexican Independence Day card? I mean, it's awesome, you know, because uh, it's going to be full of, of Mexican people. It's going to be full of, uh, uh, I mean, Hispanic people, you know. So at the end of the day, uh, the energy is going to be awesome. It's going to be heated. And uh, I'm ready for it. You know, I'm ready for it. I'm excited to be fighting on, on that card, specifically, like you say, the first independent, Mexican Independence Day card. And uh, with the champion, too, uh, Alexa Grasso, so... Man, it's going to be amazing. Also, the card is, is, is stacked, you know. It's getting, like, really good fights to Kevin Holland against uh, Jack Della. I'm, I'm really excited for that fight to be in the card, too. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, I hope I can give the, the best, the rest Fernando like I always do. Absolutely. And, and you know, you sort of mentioned that crowd and the, that energy that's going to come in this fight. You know, your first fight was in the apex. And despite getting, you know, big finish, there's not really a big crowd to get all, you know, riled up there. What is it like knowing that, like, this time you're going to get to be in Vegas? You're going to get to be in a place that, that's, you know, loaded with fans ready to watch these fights? Uh, I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly excited for it. Uh, I, I really crave and enjoy that energy that the crowd brings. Uh, I think the Apex was the second time that I fought, like, without crowd. And it's awesome, you know. It's, it's nice. I like this foreign vibe type of thing. But, uh why Why would I be a fighter if I wasn't expecting people to be there, right? So, like, yeah, I'm excited for you. Well, that's awesome to hear. Now, I also wanted to talk to you before we get too deep into this Kyle Nelson fight and talking about, you know, how the stylistic matchup goes here. I, I wanted to ask you about your origins in MMA because, you know, you, you started fighting, if I'm looking at your record the right way, you started fighting professionally when you were right about 18. Did you know this was always going to be your, you know, sort of your profession? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I honestly like I, I, I love how I love to fight. And uh, the first day that I put my feet on the tatami, I, I knew this was gonna be my, my like I fell in love with the sport just in, in general. Like I wanted to be every day in the gym. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to get better. So like I, uh, I was actually going to be a pro earlier than 18, but my coach was taking care, like pretty much taking care of me in my career. And uh, he gave me a bunch of amateur fights before he told me, he's like, look, you don't, you, we're going to get you ready. So he got me ready. And then uh, I jumped uh, as soon as actually, as soon as I turned uh, 18, I, I was, I fought, I think it was like a December fight or something like that. So yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> I've been fighting for a minute. Well, and, and so what did, what got you into the gym? Cause you said, you know, once you're in the gym, you immediately were all about it. What got you into the gym in the first place? What made you want to join a martial arts gym? Uh, well, when I, when I started, like, I, I I always say this. I always felt that, like, I have uh, fighting has been on my veins since I'm a little kid. I always have that, like, a physical confrontation with other kids. Like, I always have that. Uh, I just wanted to compete, you know. I felt that that was me. But uh, when, I, when I started uh, middle school, I started getting into a lot of, like, uh, street fights and blah, blah, blah. And I have a friend named Ramon. He, he like he started talking to me about MMA and he does it, and and I got interested, you know. But my mom and my dad never let me really train, so I started doing boxing by myself. I, I got I, I saved some money and then start boxing. But 
it was like every single other sport that I did before. Is like it was nice. I like to throw punches, but it wasn't what what I really liked. Well, I, I needed something else, and I, I I don't know what it was. And then uh, as soon as I got into the MMA gym, uh, my mom my mom took me one uh, after a crazy thing that happened on a Christmas night, and then. Uh, I, I tell you, like I knew, I knew what gym I wanted to go. I knew where it was, so I told my mom that I wanted to go there. She took me, and I tell you, as soon as I stepped in the Madman, like I knew that's what I was looking for—that that thing that was driving me to to do something, you know. And 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 it just like fulfilled me as as a little kid and showed me the way of like, okay, you can do this forever, <laughs> and well, that's what I want to do, you know. Well, and that's awesome. So it, it sounds like your your parents came around to it, right? Like they they weren't really into it at first, but now now that you're a pro and now that you're you know in the UFC, now that you're knocking out people in the UFC, how do they handle it now that you're you know and you know not not world famous yet, but pretty damn famous in terms of MMA? Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited that like they being they being close to me in, in this career too. I know there's I know I'm really lucky to have them uh, supporting me. I know there's a lot of people who don't have that, the, the family support or something, but uh, uh, I really, really appreciate it, and, and that really fills me up, and they know that. Uh, before it wasn't like that. I was more like, I have to show them. I have to show my mom and my dad that this is what I want, because like every mom, every other single mom and dad, they, they want to, they want your kid to, to study, they want to do good in life, and I think they were scared of like not knowing if this was my career or not. And uh, I'm glad that they experienced it firsthand on the UFC. You know, my first fight in the UFC, they were there in the Apex, and uh, they saw how they were treating me. They saw how they were talking to me, and uh, they excited. Obviously, like you say, maybe not world famous yet, but uh, pretty damn famous. <laughs> and uh, I feel they feel the same way. You know, that's awesome to hear. Now let's talk about that next step towards being world famous, and that's this fight with Kyle Nelson at Noche UFC. So, Kyle Nelson, coming off a very impressive win over Blake Builder in Canada, what what did you sort of think about Kyle Nelson when they told you that was going to be your next fighter? Uh, same thing that I felt with Julian. I felt uh, a lot of peace and, and tranquility, but uh, obviously that that uh, better and vibe, you know, like I have to train for this guy. He's going to be ready. Um, I expect um, Kyle to, to be a little bit tougher in terms of uh, – maybe taking more damage than, than Julian. Uh, if I can land something as, 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 as clean as I did with, with Julian, I don't think uh, it's a matter of if he's tough or not. But uh, I think it's a great match for me, honestly. I'm, like, I'm excited. Uh, I, I've, I've been training really hard, and I can't wait to show the world, like the Fernando that I've been building up, you know. I think I, I improve a lot from these last four months of, not fighting, but the fight with Julian showed me. Uh, it just kind of like put my my feet on, like okay, this is a big stage, and and now I know how to do what to do. Now I, I'm I'm just sharpening the tools, and and I'm excited. September 16, you guys are gonna see that. Absolutely. Well, I usually like to end these things with a prediction. You led me right to it. So tell me, how's this one end? Come September 16th. I see a second round knockout. All right. Well, you're here to hear first, folks. This has been Fernando Padilla, who fights Kyle Nelson at Noche UFC on September 16th. Fernando, thank you so much for the time again. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate you. Well, we have enjoyed that interview with Fernando Padilla. I once again, I'm Din. You're going to be really enjoyed now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, 
I want to start here. There obviously was an exciting main event at UFC Paris, but I want to talk about the co-main event. Manon Firo beats Rose Namajunas in the co-main event. A pretty easy decision for her. But my question is, we've now got challenger 1A and 1B at women's flyweight with Firo and Blanchfield. As long as Alexa Grasso beats uh, Valentina Shevchenko next week and we don't wind up with a trilogy, which of those two do you think winds up with the Grasso fight first? I mean, I'm partial to Aaron Blanchfield as a grappling uh, prodigy out of the Northeast. I think she's done everything she has to to deserve this title shot. And I'd rather not see anyone get matched up and kill off a prospect. I think it's just as simple as, you know, I think it should be Blanchfield first. If you want to say that's not the case and she should go second, fine. But this is one of those cases where I don't want to see two people fight and kill off, you know, what I think is two good title challenge or kill off one good title challenger. I agree with you entirely. They shouldn't fight each other. And I know some people are saying if Val wins, then, you know, they might have to. It, it would be really sad to me if they did, because I think both already deserve title shots. You know, like beating Rose Namajunas by unanimous decision and arguably not giving up a round is worthy of a title shot. So is beating Talia Santos in the way that she did and beating Jessica Andrade in the way that she did. So I, I think both are deserved, and I'm with you. I, I kind of lean to Blanchfield. I think stylistically she poses, poses more concern for Grasso. So I'm leaning that way to start. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's a bad uh, bad answer in there anyway. Agreed, but I'll tell you what's not going to be have a bad answer or have any uh, bad opinions, and that's fights, dogs, and parlays for this week's fights, UFC 293. It's our favorite segment on the show. We break down a couple of fights, give you a live dog, give you a parlay to play. So let's get into it, Gumby. But actually, wait, before we do, I wonder, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays? Absolutely. Five seconds parlay is brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Heart Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor and adult drink fun. It comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs. It's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer and bring it on home for the team. All righty. Let's start with the main event. We have Israelite Asanya, a minus 600 taking on Sean Strickland, a plus 450 dog. Ida basically called for this fight himself when Pereira couldn't come back for a trilogy fight. Uh, so Strickland is somewhat uh, lucky, I guess you could say, to be receiving this fight. And it's obviously reflected in the odds that on appearance, it would seem like a bit of a mismatch. We've seen Sean Strickland lose to Pereira, who, of course, Adesanya is one-in-one uh, in one with in MMA, and he just recently reclaimed his title back at UFC 287 in April. So Adesanya, the former champion, he's one-in-one in, one in his last two against Alex Pereira. Sean Strickland, on the other hand, um, he's had, you know, an up and down career, some might say. Eh, eh, up and down might be unfair, but he was on at one point a six fight win streak before running into KO at the hands of Alex Pereira, then came back and took a split decision loss to Jared Cannonier. But since that time, the two fight losing streak, he's reeled off two wins in a row. He's coming off a TKO over Magomedov. He took a unanimous decision over Nozardin Amavov. Uh, so, you know, you probably had there not been injuries or anything else, he probably would have had to reel off another win or two 
to get this title shot, but he finds himself here at a four to one dog. Who you got? Yeah. I mean, he's a four to one dog for a reason and it probably should be even wider than that. Uh, you know, like you, you mentioned the loss to Jared Cannonier, who by the way is healthy for this fight. He's weighing in as a replacement and he recently beat Sean Strickland. Now, granted, this is a fresh matchup, which is probably why Izzy wants it. It's because it's not fighting Jared Cannonier for a second time, but that Jared Cannonier fight tells me pretty much all I need to know about this fight. Cause if you watched it, Sean Strickland put on more volume, which is why one judge saw it his way. Jared Cannonier clearly put on more damage, which is why the other two judges saw it the other way. And when you're thinking about Israel Adesanya and the fact that this is largely going to be a striking matchup, right? I don't think anybody has the misconception that Sean Strickland's going to grapple him to death. I, I think that the fact of the matter is, is he can't match the volume of Izzy and he can't, it's not like he's going to outpower him because the thing is, Sean Strickland has never really outpowered anybody. He's only outvolumed them. So if he's not going to be the one hitting Izzy more and he's going to be the one getting hit harder, there's a reason it's negative 600. You're stupid to go with anything but Israel Adesanya here. Maybe the odds aren't a lot very fun, but I don't know. Look for an Israel Adesanya decision prop or, or KO or whatever you fancy. 1,000%, and that's the play. The only thing I will say is can, you know, I Sean Strickland has been releasing a lot of stuff about how he doesn't like grappling or BJJ, to be more specific, and he is a pretty good grappler uh, from what I've heard in training and whatnot, and part of me wonders if maybe that is some sort of a war or mind games, if you will, and I wonder if you learn from Pereira that he cannot stand there with someone, the quality of striker of a Pereira, of an Izzy Adesanya. And maybe he's going to throw a unconventional game plan this weekend. And that sort of interests me. I don't know that's the case. I don't know that Sean Strickland's even smart enough to think this way. But <laughs> it does say to me when, you know, you're this large dog, I don't know. 15 bucks Sean Strickland to win. I don't know. It's not the craziest thing. I it it it's definitely in a heads up. It's Idasanya, but again, the plus 450 it just it calls to me for some weird reason. Let's move on. Alexander Volkov is a minus 190 favorite. Tai Tuivasa a plus 165 dog. Uh, fun little heavyweight matchup here. Volkov, very interesting. On a two-fight win streak, wins over Romanov and Jerzinho Rosenstruck, both by TKO, but he had run into a straight armbar loss to Tom Aspinall before that. He's had losses to Curtis Blades, Derek Lewis, Cyril Gan. So very tippy-top of the division he has problems with. Taitu Ivasa would not say he's the tippy-top of the division in any stretch of the imagination. Fun fighter, uh, but coming off two losses here, trying to not make it three. He lost to Ciro Gan and Sergi Pavlovich. So, you know, three in a loss would be very tough for Ty, and he's the plus 165 dog. Who you got? I'm actually going to go with Ty Tuivasa. You were just talking about underdog odds kind of calling to you here. I, I know he's not the better fighter here. And I'm going to be really honest. I know he's not the better fighter here. But part of me just, like, respects his knockout power, right? Like, if you look at the two times these guys fought Derek Lewis, Volkov put it on Derek Lewis for two and a half rounds and ate one right hand and wound up losing that fight. On the flip side of it, Tai Tuivasa took a beating from Derek Lewis for two straight rounds, landed his right hand, and he got the W. Because the bottom line is, is while Volkov is probably a better fighter everywhere, Tai Tuivasa's got that one-punch knockout power. Tai Tuivasa's got that big overhand right. Tai Tuivasa can put you up against the cage and finish you. And part of me just believes that he's got that in here. You know, like you, you back-to-back losses to Pavlovich and Gunn, 
Obviously, those were two guys at the very top of the division. He had five straight KOs before that. And against, you know, not even guys who get knocked out all the time, right? Like Augusto Sakai doesn't get knocked out a lot. Derek Lewis, you know, so-so. But, like, guys who don't get knocked out a lot. So I'm going to go in there and I'm going to say, against all of my better thoughts, I'm just going to say he lands one on Alexander Volkov here and gets the job done. Uh, I really respect the pick. Um, The dog here does not call to me as much as uh, and don't get me wrong I want to backtrack a bit Sean Strickland does not call to me as a dog but I'm just saying if you did have 15 bucks to burn go throw it on him so that is not like an official dog pick I like where you're going here with Tuivasa as the dog pick I however am more comfortable just going with Volkov in this scenario because I do think he's the more complete fighter Um, but you know I doubt this is going to end up in a grappling exchange it's going to be who could stand and bang and in that regard a heavyweight a dog why not? I like where you're at. Tyson Pedro is a minus 140 favorite. Anton Turcali, a plus 125 dog. Who you got here? Oh, Tyson Pedro. Uh, I, I can't believe these odds are as close as they are. And I've seen him fluctuate between, you know, like the negative 140 we're saying right now. It was damn near a pick earlier. I think I've seen Tyson Pedro dip into dog odds. So, you know, check around the book, see of those different places here. But look, Tyson Pedro is better almost everywhere. Turcali might have a little bit better wrestling grappling. Uh, but I don't think it's even good enough to keep Pedro down for any kind of extended period of time. Cause Tyson Pedro, you know, low key is pretty damn good on the mat. You know, I know we think of him as being kind of more of a power puncher, but if you go back to his early days in the UFC, you know, he really could choke Khalil Roundtree right out of the gate. He TKO'd Paul Craig with elbows. Like he's the kind of guy who's mixed it in there with some really good dudes. The decision lost to Modestus Bukowskis, you know, Bukowskis is pretty damn good. I just think don't think Turkali's got anything for him on the feet, and I think he's just going to starch him here. All right. I like it. Um, let's then get to our dog er, 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 of the week, and we've talked a lot about dogs so far, but our official dog of the week is Gabriel Miranda, plus 135. Let's hear it. Yeah, I'm low-key pretty high on Gabriel Miranda. There's lots to like about the Brazilian here. Yes, his fight with Benoit Saint-Denis didn't come out the way that I, you know, anybody, well, certainly he would want it to. But in retrospect, taking that kind of a beating from Benoit Saint-Denis, which we just saw Tiago Moises couldn't do, I think gives him hope here against Shane Young. Shane Young, to me, is just a guy who's a little bit too hittable. I think Gabriel Miranda brings, uh, you know, a bunch of different kinds of pieces to the game that are interesting, particularly his submission style. He's got good rear naked chokes. He's worked for a couple of guillotines that make me interested. So, I, you know, I, there's not a lot of dogs I like on this card, Tai Tuivasa being one of them. But one of the ones I like on the undercard, I think Miranda has a chance of catching uh, Shane Young here. All right, and our parlay to play is Justin Taffa, a minus 235 favorite, and Charlie Radke, a minus 250 favorite. But pair those two-to-one favorites together, and it does get you even money on a parlay. Break it down. So Justin Taffa, big power puncher. We saw him just get Parker Porter out of there, and then his brother subsequently also got Parker Porter out of there. But he's a big boxer, and we got him up here against Austin Lane, who's got some grappling chops. But the bottom line about Austin Lane is he's really stiff in his striking. And if he can't get this to the ground, which I don't think he will, he's just going to eat a big right hand at some point in time from Tafa, which is why you see him as the massive favorite. Charlie Radke, for those of you who don't know, newcomer to the UFC, sometimes goes by the nickname Chuck Buffalo. He's going to be fighting Blood Diamond in the all-time best nickname match of all time. Blood Diamond is a kickboxer from, from uh, uh, New Zealand who just, I, I just don't think he defends the takedown well enough to deal with a guy like Chuck Buffalo, who's got 
sensational wrestling and is just relentless shooting those takedowns. So I think you're just going to see an absolute grind fest from Charlie Radke. And when you compare that with Justin Taffa and get even money, I think that's the place to play. I like it. Well, we're relentless with our picks. Let us know how we did. Did you do, did we do you right? Did we do you dirty at Top Turtle MMA on the social media? Gumby, we're having a party here. Let's not have it stop. What should we do next? Well, we're going to transition now to my interview with Malik Lewis, who will be fighting on Contender Series uh, a week from today when this drops, a week from this Tuesday. And we're going to get to that interview for you right now. All right, and joining me today is Malik Lewis, who fights Jane Yontop at Dana White's Contender Series Week 6. That fight is on September 12th. So, Malik, uh, you know, obviously I want to get started talking about the fight that's coming up. But before we do that, we obviously have to talk about, you know, sort of the trials and tribulations that brought you here. You know, you've been on Contender Series before. You had an absolutely insane fight with Trevor Peak that you were, you know, seemingly way ahead on at the beginning what was it like for you to sort of have to walk away from that big chance and, and sort of not realize your dream in that moment? Well, I mean, my dream was always vivid. It was just, I had some things going on with like my health and stuff, you know, a little outside things. I was going through it, uh, in my relationship and financially. And then, uh, I get three weeks notice. I'm not in shape. I've been bouncing around doing a lot of traveling, trying to get, my uh, financial affairs, relationship, and everything like that together. And I get the biggest opportunity. And uh, I tried to get into shape, working around a broken hand. And I, I couldn't get into shape. I ended up getting sick. Literally, my first time hitting mitts was my, my uh, second time going down there for for the fight. My first time going down, uh, I don't know if you could see it in the – in the recordings that they did when they have you hit mitts and all that, but I had one hand wrapped because my other was no good. So we had to like record around it and everything. And I went into that fight and instead of just trying to believe in myself and put everything else in the past, I was drowning. I'm like, man, I'm not going to be able to fight to my potential. You know, I, I can barely throw my right hand. My gas tank's not there. You know, I haven't wrestled in weeks and, Went out there, dropped them. You know, it's always usually a surprise when you drop somebody, you know, connected, seen them drop, I got too excited. And next thing I know, I'm I'm gassed out. And every day it just was out the window. <laughs> well, and so, you know, you mentioned all of those really hard things that led into your fight. The fact you didn't feel 100% mentally or physically when you leave that fight then and you know that you were as close as you were, you know, with the big knockout blow that was almost there, you know, with the fact that you were on top for a lot of the early part of the fight, did you walk away from that feeling? I mean, obviously it never feels good to lose, but did you walk away from that feeling good about yourself and your potential in the way that you fought? I was actually, uh, I was definitely not too hard on myself. I mean, I was a bit hard on myself and with, over time and and you know this fight too big time it's like wow i've had a full camp i was already in a camp before you know i've been training my butt off since that loss and uh it just showed me like man i was so hard on myself i had i fought on the biggest stage i fought against another killer and i went out there and still almost won you know it's like yeah i want to beat myself and where why can i dig deep and find that but 
I honestly don't think I had it. You know, Trevor, he won that fight. I, I couldn't fight anymore. I made that choice of blowing my wad, couldn't recover, and I learned in that fight, you know, that's a that's a very real thing. I've never really had issues with cardio before. I've, I'm not the person to stop fighting at any second in a fight. So it was just, it was a wake-up call, you know, it showed me, like, this is my life. This is what I do. Like, I'm staying ready, period. And, like, a big thing really is I'm glad I took that fight. I'm glad I lost and all that. But I I would never put myself in that situation, you know? Like, I'm I'm holding myself accountable. I should have pulled from that fight, you know? I had bronchitis, which later turned into pneumonia. But uh, I'm sick, you know? I'd already been to the doctor. They told me, like, you're sick. You need to sit at home, and you need to let this freaking little virus freaking leave your body and I was still trying to run and it turned into bronchitis and I was on antibiotics and I couldn't even take the steroid shot because I was scared you know maybe I'd get in trouble or something wow that, so. that yeah that's crazy and and I also wanted to go back to something you said there too which was you know that you, you kind of ran out of gas trying to finish Trevor Peak. we've now seen him a couple of times in the UFC right we've seen him win one we've seen him lose one and it's been insane watching people try to finish Trevor Peak too. What, what have you thought just like watching him, you know, take seemingly savage beatings from a couple other people too and just keep ticking? He's a, a great person, bro. He's a great person and a great fighter, super tough. His style is unique. Uh, I wish him all the best in the world, bro, and in life. I mean that. I'm so happy that he did win and he's doing great and, and he's sending a positive message. You know, I love it. Uh, he's a tough guy. I found out the hard way <laughs> that, you know, going to the kill is not how you approach that fight. <laughs> for, for sure. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the change of fortune. After all of these really hard times, you do get the call to go back to Dana White Contender Series. It winds up being almost exactly a year from the last time you got to fight on Contender Series. What was it like when your manager got on the phone and you, he told you, you know, like, hey, we're, we're doing this again? I was actually in Wichita Falls for one of my friends who was fighting, and I was out there to corner him. He had been staying with me in training, and uh, I had a fight, I think, in like two or three weeks from that day after so many opponents pulling out. and I'm like running sprints behind a hotel that was kind of in a sketchy area, and so I'm feeling motivated. I woke up early to get my sprints in before we went and did the shakeout and stuff so I could get a good workout in before being at the show. And then uh, I walked into the hotel room and my phone started ringing. And, like, I'm not I'm not into that, like, fade or nothing like that. But I just, as soon as it started ringing, I just had a feeling. Like, I just, I even told Roderick, my, my friend who was sitting there, and I was like, I was like, that's the USC. And I grabbed my phone, and it was Jason. And I was like, oh, shit. And I picked it up, and I was like, hey, what's up? How's it going? You know, what's up, Jason? He was like, hey, you're not fighting in a couple weeks. You're fighting for the Contender Series again, and you're going to get a full camp. And I was like, well, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. And and now, so just give me a little insight into the camp. You know, you said, you know, everybody goes into camp a little bit banged up. You went into the last one particularly banged up how's this one been looking what do you feel coming out of this one? Oh man there ain't gonna be no excuses this one <laughs> there will be no excuses this one P- 
people would be able to see what I'm capable of, what I've been working for, and the level of fire that any and everybody who comes to me gets to see. Like, uh, I don't know how great I am. I really don't. I have a, I've gone and trained at other gyms for sure and stuff, but I just go to my gym. I'm spending hours in there every single day. I go to my workout gyms and do my strength conditioning and all that and stuff. But, man, I have no injuries. I'm in extremely great shape, great health, great spirits. I'm super happy in life. Like, I'm blessed to have this opportunity, and I definitely tend to do my best. Well, we are certainly looking forward to it. Now, let's let's talk about your opponent. You, you're getting James Yontam. He's a Peruvian guy, and, and there's been a lot of Peruvian guys on the Contender Series lately, and they're kind of hard to find film on them. So when you, you got offered that name, it's not a local guy. It's not a guy you've heard of before. It's not a guy who's easily available to you know watch fight a bunch of times. What were sort of your thoughts? What was your process of going in and finding out some things about this guy? Well, you can ask any matchmaker I've ever worked with and uh, any promoter I've ever worked with that uh, when it comes to finding an opponent from Malik Lewis, it's very, very, very easy. I'm going to say yes, <laughs> and I'm going to go up. Uh, it didn't matter who I was fighting. I know the levels that are out there, and I know the guys that are out there, and I know everybody's grinding to get into the UFC, and, and it didn't matter at all. You know, I heard we're, uh, the date, I heard the contender series, I'm in shape, I'm doing everything I need to do to fight this fight. So I just continued it there. I didn't really, didn't even phase me who the guy was. You know, I've watched plenty of film on him. He actually has a lot of fights on YouTube. But uh, I was ready for whoever and whatever. And, and what do you think about the stylistic matchup? Because, you know, you probably don't face all too many guys who are about as tall as you, right? According to the Tapology pages, you guys are the same exact height. And, you know, you don't fight very many guys who, you know, have a similar knockout profile to you, right? Like all of your wins are, for the most part, are by knockout. You know, he's in there knocking out damn near all of his opponents. Are you excited for the type of fight that that potentially sets up? Uh, I would have to agree that, like, with Trevor Peak, yeah, he's a knockout artist. He knocked every single one of his opponents out. Any one of his punches could put the lights out. James Lontop has 15 fights, and the majority of his fights are decisions. Uh, my fight's not going to a decision. So if you're asking me the question, like, am I wor- like, is it worrisome? Is it cool? How do I go into a fight like that? Uh, I'll go into every single one of my fights, and somebody's getting finished. We're not going to decisions. You don't ever have to worry about that with me. If it comes to hell and high water with a minute left, I'm biting down and I'm swinging. So I'm not too worried about it when it comes to uh, the knockout scare. Like, man, you better be Hercules or something if you want to even make me second guess anything. Oh, I love that mentality, and, and you kind of let it in perfectly to my final question. I, I really like to end these ones by always asking for a prediction, so I think you sort of led right into it for us there. What do you got for us? How does this one end come uh, September 12th? I don't know what round. I don't know what minute, what punch, what knee, what strike, what anything is going to, but I guarantee you this is not going to a decision. 
All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Malik Lewis, who fights James Yontop at Dana White Contender Series. That's week six, and it's on September 12th. Malik, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, bro. You have a great one, man. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsor, Game Up Hard Hydration, and remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter or Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Dana Gubby Vreeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will catch you then.